with David Ian and Kate Dale. The show that plums the depths of mediocrity, celebrates the ordinary, and enjoys the everyday. Hi everyone, welcome to Mediocre Gay, the podcast. I'm David Ian. And I'm Kate Dale. And what have you been doing this week that's mediocre, Kate? Well, as ever, David, quite a lot of things, because there's very few things I do that aren't mediocre. Mm -hmm. But what I wanted to particularly talk about today was how very bad I am at crochet and how much I love doing it. And Uh I knew you would judge me on that because you just think it's a... The thing is, I don't know that you are mediocre at crochet. I think you're bad at it. Well, I think you're bad at being a supportive friend. <laughs> I think a supportive friend would be honest. I watched you. Do you remember? you? Yes. And you actually had to undo what you'd done and then yeah. you just gave it up. I was trying to start a new thing and it had a slippery thread. I was quite bad at it that day and I am quite bad at it. But that's part of what I love is it doesn't really matter. I mean, I, I've got two sisters and they are brilliant at crafts and they are brilliant at this stuff. And one knits, one crochets. They do fine lace work with beads and it's beautiful. And I get amazing Christmas presents every year. I give them lumpy... Ho crocheted Christmas decorations. If you I give sh- me a crocheted Christmas present. Oh, I'm so giving you. I'm going to do a crochet. <gasps> going to crochet a David. <laughs> right. so that could be our latest right. merch. The thing is, mainly what your crochet represents to me is an enormous bag that you're carrying around on the underground yes. for no good reason at all. Because I say, I mean, I do look like an absolute bag lady. Bag lady of a certain age, and I'm trying not to make this gendered and misogynistic, but basically I look like a mad old bag lady because mm. I'm carrying a bag around. But it it gives my hands something to do. It kind of stills my mind a bit and gives me a thing of focus. And the fact that I'm not really massively creating anything, I've made some okay. I've made I'm very good at blankets, but there are only so many blankets you need. However, given the cost of living crisis and energy prices, maybe yeah, this is my moment. Yeah, maybe we should open a mediocre gay Etsy store that you could sell your mediocre crocheted blankets on. I mean, it's true to say I am Kate Dale, not Tom Daly. So I think he's famous at one end of the yarn spectrum and I'm at the We other. haven't reached the point where I'm doing a podcast with Tom Daly. Much is the shame. Well, <laughs> given one of the lines in your show, I'm sure that's oh, never going to yeah. happen. Oh my God, yeah, he's never going to... Oh God, yeah, okay. Uh... We've got a guest today. We have got a guest today. Are you going to introduce? No, you introduce. Um, We have the amazing and incredibly talented Hannah Bitskowski, fantastic comedian, who actually was for both of us when we started out in stand-up, our first ever MC. So she very much took our stand-up virginity. You did, yay, welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) How was that for you, Hannah? Uh, I don't think I've ever taken anyone's virginity. If I have... It's unknowingly. <laughs> um, but I'm very chuffed to have done that for both of you. Thank you so much for having me. You were so kind and gentle. It was, was I? You were lovely. I, I really, really do try and make sure that everyone's a little bit, you know, safe and comfortable because stand-up comedy is famously the most uncomfortable thing you well, can possibly do. The only thing, the, the only bad thing I remember about it, I have two overriding memories actually, one amazing and one not so amazing. Okay. So the not so amazing thing was because obviously at that particular venue, I don't know, can we say... Uh, I'm sure we can. Yeah, so at Comedy Virgins at the Cav, yeah. um, you don't know the running order. Yes. So you sit, you sit there very nervously oh, yes, the whole yes, time, yes, yes. Um, and which has an extra layer of like fear for me because I'm slightly deaf. Okay. Everybody cheers, and I'm like, what if I don't hear you say my name? Yeah. But I was last that night, so you've spent the whole time... Lurching. Yeah, like... Yeah. Um, so that was my horrible bit. But when I came out afterwards... Um, 
you let in said some very supportive stuff about one of my jokes, which has stuck with me oh. ever since. Um, so yeah, uh, I think it was really important. It was, I, yeah, was terrified, but absolutely loved it. And you were amazing. I mean, it gave me completely false expectations of what comedy yeah, would be what? like. <laughs> oh, this is lovely. I don't Everyone's know. so kind. don't know what they're talking about when they say you've got to have a really tough skin, but it was lovely. And um, I was just a really interesting night and really, it felt really safe and supported. Um, and also, I won. I won my first clap off. Yeah. David, did you win? No, I didn't. <laughs> I've never won one of those no, trophies. Don't have one of those plastic I am trophies. Raging. I've Me never won. It is too. the last I've tried a couple of other things since then and I've lost horribly on all of them. So <laughs> it was very much, Hannah, the highlight of my stand up. Oh, career. well, I'm so glad I could be a part of it. I'm highlight. very unlike I I've never won anything there. I'm very unlike I'm not I obviously don't perform well there. Yes. Must, yeah, I don't know why. So What's going on in your life at the moment? So you went full-time about six months ago? I did. Which is exciting. Yes, Congratulations. Is, thank you very much. It is very exciting. Um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going good. It gives me the opportunity to gig everywhere. Yeah. So not just in London. I can go can here, travel. there, and everywhere, yeah. and it's brilliant. And I love it. Comedy is my favourite thing. Um, but yes, there is... Do you want me to mention the TV show now? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I am about, well, I am about to go on a BBC One television show. Exciting. Ooh. Tell us more. I know. I'm so excited. It's called The Traitors. Uh, Claudia Winkleman's hosting it. It's basically the on, it's, 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 I don't know if you've ever played a game called Secret Hitler. Yes. It's Secret Hitler. Oh, I love Secret Hitler. Yeah, it's Hitler. the best game. <laughs> it sounds so wrong. Wrong. It does. It does. But it's not. Secret Hitler is basically a game that you play. Oh, have you ever played Mafia? No. Okay. The so Secret Hitler is basically yeah. a game where you get allocated a um, a role to play, and you're either a fascist or you're a liberal. There's nothing else. You do nothing fascist, but you are one of those roles. So right. I, basically, the aim of the game for the fascists is to get whoever's Hitler into the role of chancellor, and then they win and whatever. The the oh my God, I know, comes I know it's, very, it's very but basically the whole thing is is that you have to lie as players to each other. Right. So you can lie, you cheat, you do everything you possibly can to make sure that that you win. Um and that's basically what the traitors is about. It's basically oh a few people a few people in the thing, I don't know how not what I can say. There are some people that are the traitors, some that are the faithfuls. Um, I think you find out in episode one who's who. Right. Um, and then you have to do tasks every day. I won't tell you what some of them are because I might get uh, a letter from a lawyer. <laughs> so okay. I won't go into that too much. But there is, it's very exciting. There's loads of different tasks. It's in a castle in Scotland. Oh, wow. And in Vanessa, the most beautiful uh, place we ever could have filmed it. But yeah, one of the best experiences I've ever had, I think. How long were you doing that for? We were filming for about three or four weeks. And were you staying up there throughout? Yeah. Yeah, so we were in there. And obviously because it's a game, we had to be... We were never allowed to be on our own without being filmed. So it was a very strange experience. But very nice because... I kind of got babied throughout the entire thing. You just got told where you have to be. Yeah. Well, and some people have told me, I mean, you probably know as well that when you're when you're on camera or you're being filmed or you're filming anything, that some people feel very constricted, restricted by yeah. what you can and can't do, what you're allowed to do. But I loved it. I was like, be here for then. And I was like, great. Can't wait. Thrilled. Yeah. You know, brilliant. And then I'd be caught, get told when I'd go for a cigarette. I could have a drink. It was great. I thoroughly enjoyed every second of it. And I'd go back now if I could. Wow. <laughs> oh my God, that's so exciting. There's a lot of people that didn't feel the same way, but I, I loved it. I just, it just be removed from all the decision making. 
Yeah. And just have the nice bits. Was and is it a real mix of people? So people from different backgrounds? Yes. different. Yeah, I, I was the only comedian. Um, which, of course, was nice because as a comedian, you always yeah. only want to be the only one comedian. Mm. Um, but, it, yeah, there was, a very, there, was a, there, was a, there was a massive mix of people, but very, very exciting. Um, what you were saying about really loving, like, being submerged in that, I've always thought I would have loved to have been on Big Brother if it wasn't on TV. Yeah. Like, the institutionalisation yeah. of it and just, like, the escapism yeah. for, like, ten weeks. Yeah. Just go and, like, live like that. I also thought you'd you make some really intense friendships. You could just do a minor crime and get a ten-week stretch. We spoke about me being in prison just, like, 48 hours I ago. Know. So let's not... Um... <laughs> I, well, I was watching Orange is the New Black, and I know it's not... A, an accurate representation of prison. But, it seems but right, I thought right? that looks. Look, I was so into that. Let's That's be fine. honest. Cost of living crisis. You have no rent yeah. or mortgage, no electricity mm-hmm. and gas, no council tax, no food bill. Yeah. Like I mean. Well, I'm going to move back in with my parents because. Uh, which is basically the same. Yeah. Which is the same. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want. I don't, I don't want to pay rent anymore. I'm absolutely sick of it. And I've been in London for nine years, and it's been fabulous. Um, but I were obviously I was working then and. It was still very expensive, but nowhere near as expensive yeah. as now. Yeah, now it's crazy. So I, yeah, I just don't want... I, I'm quite looking forward to going back home and leaving for a few days to go on a little tour, yeah. go and do my gigs, whatever, come back for a couple of days, have mum make me some dinner, and oh, then leave God, again. It's just going to be brilliant. Yeah, I'm so say. excited. I was going to say, I was doing stand-up anyway. You're home so little, exactly. especially if you're now outside of London as exactly. well. Exactly. You're just exactly. paying rent on yeah, an like, empty space. Your home just ends up being... Anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. It's not even somewhere that you stay in the evening, is it? Because airport. ultimately you're always out in the evening. And then exactly. I don't know what to do anymore when I'm home. And I used to really be really good at pyjamas and, yeah. you know, cozying up and having a night in. And I kind of, I'm restless now. I'm kind of pacing the floor mm. a bit. Absolutely, also, yeah. I find like with TV, for example, you're kind of out of the loop of what's on TV because you're not at home in the evening. So then you're like not really into anything. Exactly. And I find I'm not bothering to get into any, that many series because mm. I'm not going to be home enough. So oh, I always make time for a series binge. Mm. Always. Literally, always. I talk about it all the time. The only thing I'm binging at the moment is the Golden Girls. I'm just watching it constantly. Now. Yeah, gone back into that. I had, I have a newfound appreciation for it, actually. Obsessed with Betty White, but that's time yeah. for another time. Okay, so Hannah. What does the word mediocre mean to you? I think that it's it, I I've when I've been thinking about this, I think it's I think it's kind of in line with mundane. Mm-hmm. It's it's in this it's in the same neighborhood. Like they're 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 neighbors. They don't necessarily mean the same thing, but they are quite similar. And mundane, I've been thinking about that quite a lot. And I was always quite frightened of it. And I think I'm quite frightened. 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 I think I'm quite frightened. <laughs> Of um, of mediocrity because I feel like it means something you settled for. Yeah. Mm. So it's not whether if I think that so and so is a mediocre person, as long as they're happy, it's not mediocre to them. But to me, it's whatever I settle for, like a stable job, a retirement plan. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Security>. <laughs> will, <laughs> will I have a roof over my head next week? That's the stuff. That's more exciting. Yes, that's yeah. Right, so. So and and that is genuine truth. I don't I don't worry about. I mean, maybe I should, but I've kind of made a decision that I don't think I'm ever going to have children or have that kind of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Mainly because uh, I think it would be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to find a really nice way of saying it, but I genuinely hey, do think you it are might be preaching horrible. to the choir. So as my mother used to say, it's not horrible. It's just not to my taste. Sli- I do agree with what you're saying and I haven't had um, children either and I went through a period when I realised that that wasn't going to happen because I wasn't in the right relationship at the right time blah 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 well I did cry about it um, totally over that now I've got four nephews one niece I've now got because I'm incredibly old a couple of 
great grand, uh, not great grandchildren, great nieces. Great nieces. <laughs> I, like, oh I just skipped out, skipped out children, grandchildren, <laughs> straight to the great grandchildren. I've got a couple of great nieces, and it's lovely for exactly that reason. Yeah. And with my, I've thoroughly enjoyed being the irresponsible, bad influence of an auntie. That's that exactly I am. what I'm and gonna That be. is hilariously good fun. I mean, I guess when my brother has kids, or my cousin, who's kind of like my sister, like when they have kids, which is imminent from what I understand, which is exciting. Um, <laughs> I, everybody's like, then maybe. I'll be excited about those because yeah. they'll be cool, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, young people, I just find boring. I, I mean, I, I show everyone videos of my nephew because I think the world has to see these and they couldn't give a shit. And that's, you know, I know that. Honestly, one of I the keep, worst things that you can do to me is show me pictures of a baby. I keep posting them on social media <laughs> and it's and people are like, it's supposed to be, but you're a comedian, can you stop? Would you mind not? We don't give a shit about this baby. <laughs> and I'm like, but look at him. Look at that. And they're like, honestly. But then when people do it to me, I'm like, I don't care. Right. Of course but I don't care. It's lovely. It's lovely for your nephew that you feel that way about him and that you want to share it. That's yes, the thing that's lovely it about is. that. Yeah. And, and also, he's surrounded by love is a lovely way that's to That's exactly yeah. it. He is, he's completely and utterly spoiled with love from all angles. But it did make me realise when she had a baby because I thought, this is crunch point now. It's either going to make me bruisey. Yeah. Or, in fact, I thought it was just going to make me bruisey. And then I was like, no, this is perfect. You keep popping them out. Yeah, you've solved the problem. I got, yeah. Because I, I didn't, he wasn't my choice. Like he, was, he happened to me. Borrow it. Exactly. I, I realised, and when I said about, when I realised that I probably the time my time it was sort of coming and going uh, to have children, and I remember thinking at the time, oh, it's, it's less about having the child, it's more about wanting to be pregnant. And I dressed it up as, you know, it's what technically, um, this is a very cis thing to say, but uh, what our bodies were designed for, uh, it's Catholic upbringing coming out. Um, and you know, for my body not to have done that, oh, thinking about hats, it folks. now, <laughs> and I realised I just wanted to be centre of attention. Nine months centre oh, of attention. That makes way oh, more it's sense. about me. There I say, oh, I feel faint. Oh, I can't do that. I'm pregnant. That pops exactly out. It's about it. that child now. No, not interested. That's exactly exactly. You it. could just get one of those yeah. badges for the tube. So that you get a seat. Oh, I've tried. You have to send in all kinds of ID. Oh, damn it. You have to like, <laughs> scan. Because I did look into doing it. Because I was sick of standing up, to be quite honest. Right, yeah. For a stand-up comedian, I really, right, but I was sick. And also, I do feel that I've been lucky enough to be born. As, I mean, children, people who are being born now and people who are younger than me have definitely had it more. But my, I've never been, I've never felt like I was forced to do that, yeah. or that my options were limited. My family, you know, they're quite yeah, wonderful. They've always been like, you can do whatever you want and we'll support you through it. So really, there has been no trauma, which is strange for a stunt comedian, but there hasn't what, really been any I know, I know, there's nothing. Talk about bottomless brunch, that's all I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most basic bitch thing that's ever happened. Um, but there, there is, it does feel as though I'm allowed to go out and do whatever I want to do. And because I am a selfish person, not in terms of not thinking about others or being empathetic or anything like that, but... I am never going to want to give up my life for anybody else yeah, so I'm having a good time. So I don't really want to do that. Yeah. And I think my parents, now, I mean, I don't want them. My brother's gay and that doesn't mean that he can't have kids, but quite frankly, he's the most irresponsible person I've ever met. So yeah, have we never met your he brother? Wouldn't, he, wouldn't get the, he wouldn't get the paperwork through, to be honest. There'd be, nothing would happen. But So it is only going to be my sister. And yeah. she really wants that. She's never. She's an amazing mom. She's so happy doing it. But it works out really well because she gets to do all yeah. that. And we get to continue to be 20 year olds for the rest of our lives. That's the I thing, is it? It's a selfishness thing, isn't it's it? It's not, but it's not being selfish, it's being self aware, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yes. Being self aware of what yeah. is going to make you fulfilled in life. And for some people, that is having children and families, and for some, that's not. And if we all did that, then actually we wouldn't maybe have so much 
overpopulation. That's a really simplistic statement, and there's education that comes with that, and there's all sorts of, of things. Course. But I think it's I think it's more selfish to have children yeah. just to look after you in your old age, surely. Yeah. Or worse, you think, to save your relationship. Oh or that the gosh. world needs more of me. I don't I think the world possibly worse. needs less of me. As, you know, sometimes it comes down to hormones. I was talking to my friend, she won't mind me saying, her name's Becky, she lives in Cambodia. Hi, Becky in Cambodia. Hey. She's, uh, she lives in Cambodia. She's, she's had a great couple of years just like dicking around, essentially. And she's planning on coming back to London to like kind of pick up where she left off. She wants to just go on a bit of an adventure. Um, and she she turned 33 the other month uh, and I did forget and I called her about 11 o'clock at night completely forgot she was my best friend and she wasn't massively <laughs> happy with me. Um, but she was like, I'm having a breakdown. I'm having like, I need to have kids. I need to have this because it just feels that. Inside. But I think it's I think it's hormones. And I think it's all this like yeah. expectation that there is still there from some people. And then I spoke to her today and she was like, oh, it's gone. I was like, fuck for that because we don't have to, you know, at, at least I don't feel that way anymore. Because um, we're very similar in how we, and that's probably why we're very good friends, is because we're not worried that one of us is going to have a baby and then that's Abandon. all they're going to talk I've, about. Exactly. There's, and I think because because of the biological clock with women, I think in that exactly that age time, you are getting to that. Well, it's now or yeah. never, and okay, never. The now has got older, but there is, I think, I found it almost relief hitting menopause and now it really beyond incredible yes. amounts of medical intervention which I'm not going to do it's not really an option at yeah. all now and there's a relief of that because the options disappears yeah and that's it and I think I mean also on the flip side things have come so far that actually 33 30 years ago was you would be considered a geriatric oh, mother yeah. if my, my mum had me at 27 and she was a geriatric exactly yeah. so whereas now you can wait a bit longer yeah. you can make yeah. sure that you've got a stable yeah. because if I were to have children and I'm not saying I'm not saying never, but, and when I was with my ex-boyfriend, that was the only time I could imagine having a baby. That's because I loved him and I thought the yeah. idea of having something that was half me, half him, would be really lovely. Again, completely selfish reasons because I didn't actually think, well, who's going to do this? Which one of us isn't going to be a stand-up comedian? Yeah. Because yeah. one of us can't. You yeah. know, we have, well, one of us is going to have to it's stay not, at home. not very family-friendly. Not, it? no, not in the slightest. No. So it's kind of gone back and forth, but it does mean you have a bit more time now. There are a lot more things. Yeah. It actually isn't as impossible as it seems. Yeah. But if I was to never have them, I would not be bothered. If I, if I <laughs> by some bizarre miracle had well, miracle curse had one now, I'd be seventy or for its eighteenth birthday. I don't think I would want to be building up, bringing up a teenager in my sixties. Oh, I think you'd find well. me disappearing very rapidly if you had a baby. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, <laughs> being, I'm moving to Cambodia. Bye. Yeah. Being good friends with David sometimes feels like I've got a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> That's because my young, positive outlook on the world. Absolutely, I like can pick on anything. <laughs> but that's the other thing. People say when they're younger, they're like, well, I've had one now because when it's 18, I get my life back. And I'm like, no, that's it's simply like, not true. Yeah. You will never get your yeah. life back, ever. I'm Like we said, I'm 32, I'm going back home. And that's it, to, to fulfil my dreams. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. mum and dad, you continue yeah. to work. And every every time I panic or don't know what to do, the, my immediate thought is to ring my mum and dad. Yeah, exactly. My immediate thought. Exactly, absolutely, 100%. I, I cannot imagine the level of stress that that must put on them. And just the constant nonsense that I put them through that they must just be like, oh God. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that cliche saying that you're only as happy as your un, uh, happiest, unhappiest child. No, I've got that wrong. You're only as happy as your unhappiest child. Is that a saying? Yeah, because yeah. if you have two children who are very, very happy and your yeah. other one isn't very happy, you're yeah, not going to yeah. be happy because you're... So you're entire, yeah. Yeah. 
It's all, it's all, I, you know, I remember my mum saying once, and I'm, I hope she doesn't mind me saying that. I don't think she will. It sounds very deep, but it also seems absolutely out of this world. She said when she was pregnant with, she really, she really, really wanted me, really wanted to have a baby. And she really wanted more. But then when she was pregnant with my sister, she said she really struggled because she thought if anything happened to me, she would kill herself because she's my mum and she loves me that much. And then she thought, yeah, but what yeah, if something happens to yeah. Hannah, I've still got to be a mum. And she really, and I'm like, do you know what, babe? I can really do without that, actually. Um, you know what? <laughs> That's a lot, isn't it? That's, so That's a, lot. a lot to think about. We had some family friends um, when we were growing up. Well, they're still friends now, but um, they had two kids. And uh, one of them had some medical problems and wasn't supposed to live terribly long, but lived into adulthood. Mm. Um, and then what, randomly died in adulthood, mid-20s. Um, and it was very difficult, I think. They yeah. had an, they had another child who was also an adult at this point, but um, basically what you were saying about wanting to get like too deep into who yeah. you're talking about and that kind of thing, like there was very clearly difficulties over like there's nothing to live for, or yeah. there is something to live for, you know, like that real yeah. tearing apart. I mean, I again from when we were young, um, somebody that we lived really near, they had a young baby that died of cancer. It was horrific, um, and, but they had another son, and the dad actually threw himself in front of a lorry. Wow. Because he couldn't cope with, like, the loss of the child. But I remember, as a, I was a child at the time, but I remember being like, but what about the son? Like, the one that was yeah, left yeah. behind? Like, because um, it's just overwhelming. It like, is overwhelming. Just I mean, I don't know how I'm going to deal with it when my parents die. No. And I know that's going to happen, but I um, think then I'd be like, oh, well, I just don't know how I'm going to get through life because I, I don't, really, uh, you know, I'm very independent, but... They are, they're so they're so a big part of it that I just don't know how I'm going to get well, my, let alone. My dog died the other week, and oh, um, I'm sorry because that is awful. It, it has been the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Like I cannot overstate. It has just, con I mean, it, it just ended everything awful, in my life. It's awful, isn't it? Yeah, because it was just us for a very long time. Yeah, like just me and her. She was sixteen and a half. I've had her wow. since she was five weeks old. It's really, really, um life altering mm. you know um and so many people have been like to me oh are you going to get another one yeah so many people yeah and the thought wouldn't even cross my mind yeah like because that very much like your mum was saying i think i'm just like mm. like i'm her dad mm. and it has fundamentally altered who i am as a person yeah. now that she has gone and i know it's she's only a dog and well like, also I'm sure 16 years that's that, but... that's you obviously had her from a time in your life yeah. which was quite well, for everybody usually yeah. you know what i mean like becoming like yeah, I had, had it from uh, when I was 20. So, exactly. like, my, literally, my I, one of the things I was saying to you, wasn't it, is I don't know how to adult without yeah. her. Like, my entire adult life has been with her. My flat is completely silent. Mm. I don't, I cannot understand. I, it occurs to me that I've never been completely on my own. Yeah. I've, I mean, for a three-week period, I barely slept yeah. at all, did I? Because she slept on the bed, and I couldn't go to bed. And it was horrific. So I can only imagine, like, if you lose a child, mm. you know, they're your whole world, aren't they? Yeah, so absolutely. If you've got another one that you're supposed to carry on for, right? Like, it must be. This is not where I thought this conversation was going. This is... No, no, no. It's good, isn't it? It's good. Do you know what, though? I have got, I know it's probably a bit inappropriate, but I have got a kind of amusing dead dog story. Go on. So we used to, we used to, we used to, um, we used to, we've, we've always had bulldogs when, mm. since we were little. And one of our bulldogs, we um, bred to have babies just because we kind of wanted to see the experience. Yeah. My dad loves bulldogs and all this. So we did that for a bit. I used to, we used to, we used to have an incubator for them. Oh, wow. I used to have to, I used to have to rub their bum hole with a wet wipe to make them poo. 
because bulldogs are completely incapable of doing anything on their own. It was like, it, you had to get up every hour on the hour. Wow. So you're having about 10 minutes sleep, you somebody doing the night shift, somebody there. It was outrageous. So we've our dogs, I completely understand, because they we've we've literally birthed them. Yeah. Um, and we didn't keep them all, we sold them to friends, you know, like yeah. people who we knew were going to look after them. <clears throat> uh, and one dog, Joan, we had three dogs at one point, we had Doris, Joan and Wilf. And <laughs> Doris died names. of old age. Yes. Yeah, I know, they're good. At them. Doris died of old age. And one uh, year, my parents went to visit my sister in Australia. And my sister, well, my sister was with her boyfriend and her boyfriend had planned on asking my dad, you know, for his position, permission to marry her. Um, and they'd gone to a pub to do this. Uh, they'd gone for a pub for a meal and my sister was like, you know, I'm going to, my, yeah. what am I talking about? My, Your, my sister's husband pub, was yeah. like, I'm going to do it now. The future brother-in-law. Exactly. So my nan called me and it's this completely separate time because different time in Australia, obviously. My nan called me, I was hanging out of my ass and she went, I had 10 missed calls from her. So I was like, oh my God, what's happened? And she was looking after the dogs because she lived next door. So she called me and I was like, hello. And she went, I yeah, dog's dead. Oh my God. And I was like, <laughs> what? And she was like, dog's dead. And I was like, what? 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 She's like, Joan has died. We've gone round, Joan's died. She was quite old and it was, you know, we loved them, but like it, we, we'd, we'd had the whole dog die before yeah. thing. And it was, it was obviously very sad, but I was, I was really hungover as well. And I was yeah. like, I don't know, I'm crying and I'm sad. And she was like, it's up to you what you want to do with this information. And I was like, what are you talking about, you mad witch? <laughs> <laughs> she, was, she was like, well, you're the eldest child, so I think you you should call your mum and dad in Australia. Oh, and wow. I was like, okay, well, I'll do that. And she went, oh. And I was like, there can't be a How is there at all? <laughs> there can't, this is dead. She was like... Oh, we just don't ruin the holiday. And I was like, what, are you going to bark down the phone for the next three weeks pretending <laughs> like you're Jane? And I was like, where are we going to keep it, Nana? And she was like, in the in the garage. And I was like, no. oh, really? Welcome home from your holiday. Oh, God, here's uh, a dog that's been Joan dead died. three weeks. Here's a dog that's been dead for three weeks. So not only dead, but oh, also rotting God. with probably loads of animals around it. So I, so I was like, well, that's... Probably not a good idea. So I called my dad. My dad, my, sorry, I called my mom because I wasn't going to, my dad would have been heartbroken. So I needed him to hear it from her. Yeah. So I called her. She went outside with my sister. My future brother-in-law chose that moment to say, <laughs> no. I love your daughter. Can I please marry her? Oh God. And my, before he could answer, my mom came in and was like, Rob, dog's dead. Uh, so quite a traumatic uh, event for absolutely everybody, to be honest. That is horrific. And I'm very glad that I didn't choose to keep the dog in the garage no, I, for three weeks. Me too. That seems like a positive life choice. Mm. I'll never forget the ringing in my ears of hearing, I yeah, dog's dead. <laughs> I didn't realise you'd have to wipe their, like, yeah. wipe their bum with oh, it. It's funny the things you do for it. Like, so Millie used to get, that was my dog, she used to get phantom pregnancies. Oh, yeah. And she got them really bad. So for five years running, I had to milk her. Oh, wow. Oh, my Should, God. The things you do you for your animals. never tell me that? Well, I can see why. I... Like the ultimate act of love. Yeah. Like, it's, how? It, well, I mean, how? No, it's... Because like because they have a phantom, they think that they're pregnant, and they start producing milk, and you have to get rid of the milk for them if it doesn't so if it doesn't gonna, yeah. if it doesn't come out on its own. In the end, like had to have a sorted in that. Um, but I was reading apparently it's because it comes from uh, when they were pack animals. It would be very common for them to die in labour, yeah. And so other dogs right, in the yeah. pack would have phantom pregnancies so that mm. they could feed yeah. the babies if the yeah. if the mum dies. So like she was just an incredibly caring, amazing animal. But it was very it was very traumatic. Um how long did it take? 
Oh God! It, Sorry, what part of traumatic? Everything says, about it. Please, just... Kate, ask me. It is described in intricate detail. My dog who died three weeks ago. What makes me laugh is that I I remember thinking prior to that that the most traumatic thing about owning a dog would be when I had to go into pets at home and buy. Um, knickers with panty liners in them. Oh, her. God, lover. <laughs> and it turned out that wasn't the worst thing. It was milking it. No. So, yeah, I know. It's weird, it's weird the things you'll do. Right? It is very, very strange. Like getting on with it. I mean, I would, the one that's left now is, is quite old, but he, he doesn't, most disgusting thing I've ever said on a podcast, he doesn't, um, when he comes back in, he doesn't quite crimp off the poo. Oh. So we now have to wipe an oh, adult dear. dog's. Oh, that's a phrase I've never heard before. No. Crimp, off, crimp the off the poo. Crimp off the poo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I think wrong. kind of want that to crimp be your podcast. Crimp off oh the poo. Oh my God, yeah. But, my, but we now have like an entire dog arse wiping station by the back door now. Oh, that was a bit of sued cramp just in care. Like it's treated better than the nephew. But you're moving home, so at least if you have any problems, you're, you're covered. God, I know. But actually, when I'm going <laughs> back to that conversation, but he's going to look after me. When, it, when the time comes, will you crimp off my poo? Crimp yeah. <laughs> Can't crimp off your own food. That's a problem. <laughs> oh, that, that feels like another line for our range of T-shirts we're thinking yes. about launching. We've, oh, curr- the merch we've great. currently got um, what was that line I said? Eat the glitter, not the shit. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of having. It's very on poo yeah. related. Yeah. Isn't I'm it? afraid everything is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. You're I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. The merch is all poo related. Yeah. It's cool. We no, don't it's know why. Right. Crimp off my poo. Definitely. <laughs> um, I took I, a long time to get to that first question. <laughs> 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 Apologies. This might be a whole series all the time. (laughs) (laughs) A poo-related secondary podcast. Anyway, um, uh, tell us about something that you love but everyone else thinks is mediocre. Well, luckily it isn't that deep, but it is something that I am truly, truly in love with. It's it's reality TV. All reality TV? Yeah. uh, And you're saying this is a star of reality TV now. (laughs) <laughs> well mine's obviously the best um well well yeah i i kind of i'm glad that i did this reality tv show because it's more of a reality game yeah, yeah. But, like no one's going off and shagging yeah. or you know what i mean we're not, we're oh, not don't give the game away people are shagging um uh, yeah the, luckily my housemate is also a very big fan of reality TV. And like people say that like, oh, if you watch reality TV, you're brain dead. But I think it's, I think it's an escape. I agree. It's literally like a bit of a moment. The Kardashians, like watching those girls, watching Courtney, Kim and Chloe eating a salad is my favorite way of passing (laughs) a bit of time. It's the most incredible thing. I love it. Um, 90 Day Fiance, obsessed, Uh, Below Deck, Love that. Oh my God, I loved Below Below Deck. Below Deck is brilliant. It's outrageous. And I'm currently watching well, I have well, I have watched Married at First Sight. <gasps> oh. Right, me and my mate, me and my uh, neighbour Kenneth, we watch Married at First Sight yes. together. We live in the same block, and sometimes if one of us isn't dressed like for a guest, then we will watch it in our individual apartments and text each other like as we're going along. But we are obsessed with Married at First Sight. We've watched all the Australian and. And I just think, I don't like a lot of reality TV, so I don't watch the Kardashians or anything like you were saying, but Married at First Sight, I think is such an interesting study on the patriarchy, misogyny, gender, mm. like the traditional roles around marriage. I, it's just fascinating. Plus, the people they find. I know, it's outrageous. It's, I've got Where a question, get them? How difficult is it to put on 
t-shirts and jogging bottoms to watch it together. Sometimes what you do you wear to. to watch Mad at First Sight that takes so, so much if, to you're, get if you're in your pajamas, do you, get in your... you have to wear a dress. You have, you to, have, wear to, wear a dress. You have to wear a wedding dress. Absolutely, you do. Well, that's what we do. Yeah. That's what me and my housemate yeah. do. Yeah. Every night, like get the get the gown on. And just see my goddamn veil. Lace me into the corset. Sit down and watch this. Okay, look. Let me be clear. What it mainly is is if the flat isn't tidy enough. Okay, but I was making. Sorry, I was just going to say though, Married at First Sight is something I cannot watch alone. Oh, yes. it has to be with communicating. Oh, oh, it has to be the gossip me. and the judgment because that's yeah. what it's about, right? Yeah, 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 it's, yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's, I think, the role that they play. Is, yeah. And for me, it's a obviously it goes too far sometimes on social media and all the rest of it. But there's got a real soft spot for Love Island, even though as a feminist, I feel I shouldn't. Mm. But never seen it. So I have never comment. watched it. Okay, so I will shame myself in it. But it's the <laughs> it's the it's the conversations you have because you've all had that thing, that communal experience yeah. of watching it, even if you haven't been yeah. able to watch it yeah. together, yeah. and gossiping about stuff that doesn't really matter. There's a fine line. I think Love Island, I've never seen it, but I think just for how young the people are, yeah. I think it toes a line. And I've heard, you know, I've heard things on the grapevine about how they produce it and yeah. what's set up to, you know, it kind of set up to make them fail. But not fail because everybody knows that when you go to Love Island, you come out, you get a clothing deal with yeah, a little thing. You, get a, thing yeah. you know, yeah. you do end up being able to recreate your career however you want to do yeah. it. Um, but it's I think it toes the line a little bit. And reality TV does, and I am I, I am I do feel a little bit ashamed when I start thinking about that, but it's I just can't help it. And I love it so much. I love the drama. I love the drama. And I love the fake well, escapism. And I guess what has been... I, I completely accept that about Love Island. So therefore, I think yeah. that's why it's more than a little bit of guilt I feel about watching it. Plus, obviously, the the age, the um, very specific body types and the idea of somebody bigger is really not... Um, but it's that community thing. I started watching it because I was watching it with this particular group of friends and they yeah. were watching it. And then you it, could talk about it. And then we could talk about it and we would WhatsApp about it. And it was just, we then, yeah, and it became that. And it was that idle gossip for something that doesn't really matter and getting, and it reminds me in some ways of the early series of Big Brother where it was so mundane, gloriously mundane in terms of what we were watching, yeah. what we were doing. I remember sitting there watching someone brush their teeth thinking I should really yeah. go to bed. But it was just fascinating just watching somebody brush their teeth. It's a bit weird, but when we got so upset, if you remember, about Nasty Nick and all that, and it was passing a note. Mm. I mean, compared to what then happened yeah. in the subsequent ones, but it was just that the everydayness of it was somehow really fascinating. Yeah, It does remind me, though, of when I was at drama school, one of the things they teach you is that, like, just the human form is infinitely interesting. Mm. People will watch you doing nothing. Yeah. Because that is just yeah interesting. Like, the internal life that you've got is just interesting. Mm. And the early days of Big Brother when you could watch it on E4 24 hours a day. Yeah. Like, that is all you were watching was just, like, yeah. someone's internal life, They used it? to do a live audio stream and I remember being at work in a previous job and I just had a live audio stream on, and it was before they started doing the bird song thing. I was listening to somebody explain the entire plot of 2001, which I now don't need to watch, to it. It was great, for over an hour and a half. So, um, moving on from reality TV, which do absolutely love as well, Hannah, what do you think or secretly fear is mediocre about you? Oh, God. Uh, loads of things. I think I'm basically inherently a, a, a basic bitch. And I've tried so hard to not be, but I am. I love a Prosecchi Brecchi. Yeah. I love that. The fact that that's what you call it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Never even heard it, just came out. I love that. I can't stop myself. I can't help it. Prosecchi, I want a that Prosecchi Brecchi. Yeah, I love a Prosecchi Brecchi. And I take the piss so much out of my friends. I'm like, oh, you say basic. And then I'm like, oh my gosh. 
me to last night. I was like, I'm gonna get my bottle of wine. I'm gonna watch my reality TV. I'm gonna send it. Honestly, nails everything. I am a base. I am a basic bitch, but um. I, you know, I quite enjoy it, and I do use it in uh, in my comedy. I've got a whole brunch bit, which is probably going to end up being an hour show. Though, so I do the brunch. Oh, but then it can become immersive where you do it at the bottom exactly. of the brunch. But that's the, that's the thing. I haven't got enough trauma. There's nothing bad that's ever really happened to me, so I haven't got. So I have. You know, I'm just like, I'm too. Your comedy is quite joyful. Yeah. I think. It, yeah, I hope so because it's not. I think that's how I. That's kind of it. my comedy is very mediocre. Really, it's never clever. It's never like, you know, it never you never walk away thinking. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's entertainment in that moment. I mean, I think it is know? clever because it works. All yeah. comedy that works is clever. Yeah, that, yeah, I suppose so. I don't, and I, I don't mean to demean it, you know, because I, I do, I, I think I'm good at it. It's what I love doing. I don't, um, but it's, but that, I, I see comedy as being entertaining and you are a clown. You yeah. are a jester for the for the crowd. That, that's and I feel rude saying you're a clown, but I but I think it's a real joy and a joyfulness. Which, oh, yeah. And there's lots of comedy that makes me laugh but isn't joyful. So yeah. and that's yeah. fine. Yeah, it's a different yeah, thing. Yeah, it's yeah, joyfulness. Yeah. It's I think incredibly sex positive, which we don't get enough of yes, for straight yeah. women, I don't think. Um it's um it's embracing of life. Yeah. And it's laughing at life, but it's not so I love a bit of trauma comedy, but I also love joy comedy as well. I'm yeah. now making up genres, which I don't think exist. But... <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Why not? Who, who, why not? Let's have it. No, no it's great. Someone update Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> but it all, what helps being a basic bitch is that it relates to a lot of people and a lot of people understand I was just, it. I was going to say, mm. I think your comedy is very easily accessible. Like, yeah. I can sit down and be like, I understand. Like, yeah. I, It doesn't rely on me having lived your experience or anything yes. like that. Yeah. Like, I immediately understand what's going on exactly and, and comedy in general is a very self-indulgent thing oh, i mean God. to have the uh i mean where the hell do we get off standing on stage and making people listen to us do you know what i mean like what who the hell do we think we are and it is an incredibly especially like, when you come off stage thing. and you're like oh they're a quiet yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, like, owe you anything it's not, it's it's not me it's the rest of the world yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah 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 so what a weird audience it was tonight um <laughs> not just you doing a shit job um no, it, 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 but it's it does kind of it, it is it's an incredibly ridiculous thing, and so I think you have to take there has to be a certain amount of humbleness to be able to cancel out the the self indulgence of it all. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And be yeah. like, you, I'm giving you the permission to laugh at me, yeah. yeah, and with me, but you can laugh at me as well because I'm putting it all out there, yeah. Um, so I think, yeah. My comedy is quite mediocre as well, and me. Oh, it's not, so I'm not letting you get away with that. <laughs> you are very funny. But that whole terminology of basic bitch, and I know you're saying yeah. it in a, um, uh, it's like, ironic, I'm not sure that's the right phrase, but in a celebratory way. Yes. But we should yeah. be celebrating that, because what it is actually, and that sort of that whole, oh, you know, the judging of Huns and Hun culture. And yeah. It's people who just know what they like and enjoy yes, what they it like, is, isn't it? Is, it? Yeah. And without having to feel that it's, it's back to everybody always thinking that everything has to be clever or serious or yeah. arch or... And I hate the phrase guilty pleasures because it implies guilt where there is just yeah. pleasure. But there's something really judgmental about it. Where just embrace it. If you love a Prosecco Becky and I for one do and totally going to be using that phrase. <laughs> so we can't be friends anymore. It's we? so no, good I because I do a whole bit about bottomless brunch, but it's I've never been happier than on a you know a crisp autumn day on a Saturday yeah. at midday. You go with your pals. 
the whole day can be drunk because I don't like drinking at night anymore. Well, I will, oh, but I don't like I don't best. like a whole night. I won't go to a club anymore. I will be like, if you want me drunk, get me at one p.m. <laughs> and that's when it's going to be great because then I'll be in bed for eight. And you know what I mean? No, it's incredible. But it just feels as though the whole you're in you're in you're at a brunch place. Probably Megan's, probably Clapham, yeah. and surrounded by everybody. You can see all the other groups of women because it is usually yeah. women. You can see all the other groups of women. And it's like your counterparts and your friends. You're all the same. You're all yeah. in it together. You're all out for a good day out. And it's all, there's never been a bad atmosphere at Bottomless Brunch. Yeah, I go. Never. I do a, a musical theatre class on a Saturday afternoon, and it's in Waterloo. So I'm sort of tripping through Waterloo, uh, literally, because I'm clumsy, um, at about half past two. And you see these groups of women getting off the train and yeah. coming in, and they are dressed up to the nines. Yeah. Ridiculous, not ridiculous because I can't walk in them but ridiculous heels and tiny basically could have come straight off Love Island really yeah. and they look so up for it and yeah. so have to have a good time yeah. and there's a couple of bars down there that are clearly set up to cater for this yeah. now and honestly they just look like they're living their best life it's incredible I don't take a bag because I know I will leave it so I just wear something with pockets in oh, pockets. fill up my bra with everything I could possibly need got my fags got my lighter I've got me got my wallet and then like a lipstick and then I'm out for the day <laughs> and, you're done. and I'm out, I've got I'm on a big adventure for the day it's the most brilliant thing and there's never any fighting there's never any bad vibes. Everyone's always just happy. And then you end up in a pub and you're all sat down. And everyone's drunk and it's only four. It's incredible. <laughs> See, that sounds more sensible than the other week we did a gig. We did a charity gig and they paid us in alcohol. Okay. Um, but what they, so you could have cocktails. It was a slug and lettuce. Oh, yes. Um, and, but what, what the bar staff got confused about is even though we weren't paying for the cocktails, it was still two for one. <laughs> so they kept delivering like, like we all, if you ordered four cocktails, you got eight. Oh wow! So we basically so after the gig, we martinis. completely <laughs> on a Wednesday evening when oh we then all gosh. had to work the next day. Well, first of all, we had to get back from. I'm not going to say where this was. Out actually. of town. Out of town. Oh gosh! Because oh. the slug of lettuce now is like this generation's weather spoons, oh, isn't it? God, it was horrific. Honest to God, like such a headache the next I day. Just and we were drinking porn star martinis, and so just the sugar we just have furry teeth for the next three days. Oh yeah! As soon as you don't have to pay for something, all of a sudden it's outrageous, isn't it? You're yeah. just like yes. Like, yeah. Sometimes when I was MC and they they give you wherever you MC, they're like you know you get you get paid whatever it is, and you get drinks on tap that I could not remember it thing because yeah. i just go absolutely crazy it's like a bottomless brunch I ha it's a military operation if people don't get there on time I'm like well you're not part of this anymore yeah. Yeah. then because it has to start on the minute yeah and i got made the most of it literally yeah. and one once somebody was like well we don't leave the bottle and i was like well you're going to be walking around this table for the next hour and a half then <laughs> i am going to be like what they were next. just gonna pour and then they would just pour and then leave and i was like no, i'm not having that you can what's the point so then that? i would make it so that whenever the guy finished doing everybody else's drinks at my table, mine would be empty again. And Eventually, it, did he get messaged? It's an episode yeah. of The Simpsons, isn't there, where Homer bankrupts a seafood and all he can eat seafood restaurant or something like yeah. that. Yeah. It's that, isn't I it? I think it's for exactly my parents' generation, it was a Chinese buffet. Yes, yes. But the booze just changes things completely. Yeah. Yeah. And it is cheap for what it yeah. is. It is a really good place. There's a place in King's Cross, which I highly recommend, called Bon Vivant, which is a great oh, bottomless bon bridge. Bon Vivant. Bon Vivant. Oh. Uh, and a nice, Stoke accent, and it's Bon Vivant. <laughs> but that's that's a really good bottomless brunch. So shout out sponsorship. <laughs> Get a free ticket. I'll do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Amazing. Thank you so much. So let's do some promo. What have you got that you're promoting? So you've got your show. And We've got the TV show, The Tracers, which will be out now. Um, and that's on BBC One. 
BBC One, yes. And I play her, presumably. And, and, I, and, I, and that's yeah. with Claudia Winkleman. Yeah, that's with Claudia Winkleman. Is the fringe... Did you meet her in real life? Yes. Is the fringe as intense in real life? Yeah, but she's the most beautiful woman. Oh, I think I, I, I'm love obsessed. Like, honestly, not even obsessed. on TV, she's, she's more beautiful. And oh, she's wow. so lovely. She seems so really, lovely. really, really authentic. Cool. Yeah, she, really, she is. She's brilliant. I'd be she's so, so nice. If you Chloe, I hope she's uh, Chloe. Chloe. I hope she's still saying this nice things about me, but you never know. Um, <laughs> I'm probably me and another comedian friend. We're doing shows uh, here, there, and everywhere. We're doing a split bill called Shaggers. Uh, right. It's me and him. We're doing half an hour each. We're we're probably have got venues various different places. Um, so if you want to buy tickets, please do on my Instagram. What's your Instagram? It's Hannah Bitchkovsky, spelt like that. Because uh, I realised if I spelt it how it was actually spelt, no, no one would ever find, find me. So yeah. Hannah and then B-I-T-C-H. Yeah. And then you'll come Kofsky. up. Yeah, that's correct. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Thank this you for having me. It's been, been a joy. Fantastic. Uh, thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next week. My name is David Ian and you can find me on Instagram at Mr. David Ian. And I'm Kate Dale and you can find me on Insta at Katie S. Dale or very possibly at the nearest Prosecchi Becky. <laughs> thanks for listening to mediocre gay the podcast if you enjoyed the show please subscribe and give us a five-star rating it helps other people find the show don't forget to follow us on instagram at mediocre gay pod or share your mediocre secrets with us on mediocre gay pod at gmail.com